This is day 172 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Daniel chapters 5 through 9. Lord God, you are the Lord Most High. You work miracles in this world, and you do amazing things that we don't even understand. This universe that you created for us is so vast and profound, and we can't even begin to scratch the surface of your glory and what you've created for us. Lord, may you be magnified in our hearts today. May we recognize who you are, what you have done, and may that change the way that we view you from moving forward. Lord God, please give us mercy in these days, as there's so much opposition and evil in the world, that you would strengthen us with your armor of light, that we may be strong in your word and in your presence. Please bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Belshazzar the king held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand. When Belshazzar tasted the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple the house of God, which was in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace and the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face grew pale, and his thoughts alarmed him, and his hip joints went slack, and his knees began knocking together. The king called aloud to bring in the conjurers, the Chaldeans, and the diviners. The king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, Any man who can read this inscription and explain its interpretation to me shall be clothed with purple, and have a necklace of gold around his neck, and have authority as third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the inscription, or make known its interpretation to the king. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His face grew even more pale, and his nobles were perplexed. The queen entered the banquet hall because of the words of the king and his nobles. The queen spoke and said, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is a spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of your father, illumination, insight, and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, Chaldeans, and diviners. This was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of enigmas, and solving of difficult problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Let Daniel now be summoned, and he will declare the interpretation. 
Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? Now I have heard about you, that a spirit of the gods is in you, and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom has been found in you. Just now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me, that they might read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me. But they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you, that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you are able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Keep your gifts for yourself, or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. O king, the Most High God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished, he killed, and whomever he wished, he spared alive. And whomever he wished, he elevated, and whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up, and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne, and his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind, and his heart was made like that of beasts, and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind, and that he sets over it whomever he wishes. Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this, but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, have been drinking wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand. But the God in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out. Now this is the inscription that was written out. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Haparsin. This is the interpretation of the message. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Pares, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave orders, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck, and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as the third ruler in the kingdom.
that same night belshazzar the chaldean king was slain so darius the mede received the kingdom at the age of sixty-two it seemed good to darius to appoint one hundred and twenty satraps over the kingdom that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom and over them three commissioners of whom daniel was one that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss then this daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against daniel in regard to government affairs but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him then these men said we will not find any ground of accusation against this daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his god then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows king darius live forever all the commissioners of the kingdom the prefects and the satraps the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you o king for thirty days shall be cast into the lion's den now o king establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the medes and persians which may not be revoked therefore king darius signed the document that is the injunction now when daniel knew that the document was signed he entered his house now in his roof chamber he had windows open toward jerusalem and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day praying and giving thanks before his god as he had been doing previously then these men came by agreement and found daniel making petition and supplication before his god then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you o king for thirty days is to be cast into the lion's den the king replied the statement is true according to the law of the medes and persians which may not be revoked then they answered and spoke before the king daniel who is one of the exiles from judah pays no attention to you o king or to the injunction which you signed but keeps making his petition three times a day then as soon as the king heard this statement he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering daniel and even until sunset he kept exerting himself to rescue him then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king recognize o king that it is a law of the medes and persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed then the king gave orders and daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den 
the king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Then the king arose at dawn, at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. The king then gave orders, and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, and they cast them, their children, and their wives into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them, and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind as he lay on his bed. Then he wrote the dream down, and related the following summary of it. Daniel said, I was looking in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion, and had the wings of an eagle. I kept looking until its wings were plucked and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. A human mind also was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, resembling a bear. And it was raised up on one side, and three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. And thus they said to it, Arise, devour much meat. After this I kept looking, and behold, another one, like a leopard, who had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. 
After this I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boasts. I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames, its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain, and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. I approached one of these who were standing by and began asking him the exact meaning of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, for all ages to come. Then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, and its teeth of iron and its claws of bronze, and which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, and before which three of them fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts, and which was larger in appearance than its associates. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Highest One. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. 
As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones, and will subdue three kings. He will speak out against the Most High, and wear down the saints of the Highest One. And he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit for judgment, and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. At this point, the revelation ended. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts were greatly alarming me, and my face grew pale, but I kept the matter to myself. In the third year of the reign of Belshazzar the king, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, subsequent to the one which appeared to me previously. I looked in the vision, and while I was looking, I was in the citadel of Susa, which is in the province of Elam. And I looked in the vision, and I myself was beside the Ulai Canal. Then I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a ram which had two horns was standing in front of the canal. Now the two horns were long, but one was longer than the other, with the longer one coming up last. I saw the ram budding westward, northward, and southward, and no other beasts could stand before him, nor was there anyone to rescue from his power. But he did as he pleased and magnified himself. While I was observing, behold, a male goat was coming from the west over the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground, and the goat had a conspicuous horn between its eyes. He came up to the ram that had the two horns, which I had seen standing in front of the canal, and rushed at him in his mighty wrath. I saw him come beside the ram, and he was enraged at him, and he struck the ram and shattered his two horns and the ram had no strength to withstand him. So he hurled him to the ground and trampled on him, and there was none to rescue the ram from his power. Then the male goat magnified himself exceedingly, but as soon as he was mighty, the large horn was broken, and in its place there came up four conspicuous horns toward the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came forth a rather small horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the beautiful land. It grew up to the host of heaven, and caused some of the host and some of the stars to fall to the earth, and it trampled them down. It even magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the host, and it removed the regular sacrifice from him and the place of his sanctuary was thrown down. And on account of transgression, the host will be given over to the horn along with the regular sacrifice, and it will fling truth to the ground and perform its will and prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking, 
and another holy one said to that particular one who was speaking, How long will the vision about the regular sacrifice apply, while the transgression causes horror, so as to allow both the holy place and the host to be trampled? He said to me, For two thousand three hundred evenings and mornings, then the holy place will be properly restored. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, standing before me was one who looked like a man. And I heard the voice of a man between the banks of Ulai. And he called out and said, Gabriel, give this man an understanding of the vision. So he came near to where I was standing. And when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Son of man, understand that the vision pertains to the time of the end. Now while he was talking with me, I sank into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and made me stand upright. He said, Behold, I am going to let you know what will occur at the final period of the indignation, for it pertains to the appointed time of the end. The ram which you saw with the two horns represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat represents the kingdom of Greece, and the large horn that is between his eyes is the first king. The broken horn and the four horns that arose in its place represent four kingdoms which will arise from his nation, although not with his power. In the latter period of their rule, when the transgressors have run their course, a king will arise, insolent and skilled in an intrigue. His power will be mighty, but not by his own power, and he will destroy to an extraordinary degree and prosper and perform his will. He will destroy mighty men and the holy people. And through his shrewdness, he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence and he will magnify himself in his heart, and he will destroy many while they are at ease. He will even oppose the prince of princes, but he will be broken without human agency. The vision of the evenings and mornings, which has been told, is true. But keep the vision secret, for it pertains to many days in the future. Then I, Daniel, was exhausted and sick for days. Then I got up again and carried on the king's business. But I was astounded at the vision, and there was none to explain it. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, seventy years. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, 
acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame, as it is this day. To the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away in all the countries to which you have driven them, because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against you. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him, nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God, to walk in his teachings which he set before us through his servants the prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. Thus he has confirmed his words which he had spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us, to bring on us great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds, which he has done but we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as it is this day, we have sinned. We have been wicked. O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain, for because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around us. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear! O Lord, forgive! O Lord, listen and take action! For your own sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, 
came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me instruction and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. It will be built again, with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after the sixty-two weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the Prince, who is to come, will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come, with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to the sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Okay, so let's go through this briefly. This is another long reading, but this is some really fascinating stuff. And quite frankly, as I've told you before, when it comes to eschatology, the end times prophecies, I'm not very good at these. So I'll do my best, and I'll only tell you what I think is true. I'm not going to feed you anything that I am just making up. So we begin in chapter 5 with King Belshazzar. Now, for a little historical context here, it wasn't until recently that we knew who this king was in the contemporary records of the time. Because Babylon was very good at keeping records, as well as the Persian Empire. So we have all the records of the genealogy of the kings and a lot of the things that happened during that day. So it's very interesting to go through that. So at first we didn't know who this was, though, because there was no king named Belshazzar in the records. So we were going through it, and it mentions a report that there was a king called Nabonidus, and he was the last king of Babylon, and he says that he entrusted the kingship to his son, Belsharusus. And so we believe that this is the man Belshazzar here. Just the same way how, for example, in the Babylonian record, we have the name Amel Marduk, who is the son of Nebuchadnezzar, but yet in Jeremiah, we saw his name was Evil Merodach. So it depends also on the language of the day. So we know that the Jewish people speak Hebrew, but there is also Aramaic that was spoken in that area. And so the Babylonian kingdom didn't speak that language, and so the names don't translate exactly the same as it does today, right? 
we have names that are very different in different languages. For example, William in English is Guillermo in Spanish. It doesn't look exactly the same, but it's the same name. So, same concept. So, this king here was doing everything contrary to what Nebuchadnezzar had learned. Now, we saw that Nebuchadnezzar had to learn the extreme hard way. And it was written down and documented. Because Daniel mentions that he knew about what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And yet he still continued in the sin of sensuality and profaning God's holy articles. So then he wrote with a hand on the wall. And he wrote some characters on the wall and he needed somebody to interpret them. And of course, the only person in the whole kingdom who could interpret them was Daniel. And again, they don't seem to understand that he is a servant of the Most High God. He does not possess any particular power in himself. The Holy Spirit has given him such amazing power to interpret dreams and visions and all that, but it doesn't come from him. However, the one thing that makes him who he is, is his faith. He is an extraordinary man. And no matter what goes on, he remains solid in his devotion to God. That is something to be admired. That should be something for us to aspire to. So Daniel gives the interpretation of the writing and the significance of it on the wall after he gives him a reminder of who Nebuchadnezzar was. So basically, God is accusing Belshazzar of being prideful and practicing idolatry. And so the writing may not have been written in an unknown language, but it may have been something that was different from what they knew. So it was a prediction of what was going to happen to the kingdom and to this particular king, and then that very night he was murdered. And then we see that the Medes began to take over the nation of Babylon, starting with Darius. What's also interesting in the historical records is we don't really even know who Darius is either. And we have to understand that the Bible is accurate. It's historically sound. But again, names don't always translate well when it comes to what the Hebrew Bible says versus what the historical records of the Persian Empire say. So there's a couple of people it could be. And one idea is that it was the man Gubaru, who was the governor under Cyrus, the king of Persia at the time. Or it could have been another name for Cyrus himself. We don't really know. Or the third option is it may have been Cambyses, who is the son of Cyrus, who served as ruler of Babylon. So we don't really know exactly who Darius is, because there's no literal Darius written in the records. So when he became king, he wanted to delegate most of his responsibilities to other people. So that's why he brought in all these satraps, all these assistants to help him out. And of course, he knew about Daniel. So he used Daniel as one of the main governors of the nation of Babylon. So he went from being a prisoner, a slave brought in, and now he is like Joseph. He is exalted and ruling over the nation. So they tried to usurp him, 
And they try to, as evil people do, they try to accuse innocent Christian people from of things that they did in order to call them out as hypocrites and ungodly and to damage them. And so they did the same thing with Daniel. So they go and make up this law that they can only pray to King Darius. And Daniel doesn't care. He just doesn't care because he knows who's in charge. And so I love how the Bible says this as well. It says, when the document was signed, he entered his house and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, as he had been doing previously. So that's a very important point. That is showing how Daniel is someone who is immovable. He is someone who cannot be moved by the world around him. He is a man shut up to God. This is a beautiful illustration of what that's like for somebody to be so devoted to the Lord and so heavenly minded that the world around him doesn't affect him. It doesn't change his relationship with God, nor does it damage his devotion to him. He continues on course like he has always been doing. And that is exactly what God wants from all of us. That is an important lesson that Daniel is showing us today. We need to be people shut up to God. In the same way that Noah was put onto the ark and God shut the door, that's symbolic to us being shut into the Lord Jesus Christ, who was represented by the ark itself. So we know the rest of the story from here. We know that he was thrown into the lion's den. The lion's den eat him because the angel had shut the mouths of the lion. But what I found most interesting is that Darius believed in the Lord too. And he also wanted to defend Daniel because he knew he was a man of ex excellent character. So he was excited to see that he was saved from the lions. And then he was able to exact vengeance on those evil people by throwing them in the lion's den. And they didn't even hit the floor. According to this, they didn't hit the floor before the lions got them. So that's crazy. They must have been really hungry. And then we get to the extraordinary piece of Daniel, the future visions that he saw. So he shows us four different beasts. And so this is similar to the vision which Nebuchadnezzar saw with the statue and the different components of it. So the first one that represents a lion with that, but had the wings of an eagle, they're both symbols of strength and speed. And this is reference to Babylon. The bear is, because of its fierceness and its strength, is represented by Persia. The third one, which looks like a leopard, is the Greek Empire. And this is not only me saying this, but it's explained here at the end of this. And then there's the fourth beast, and this one is Rome. Rome is the fourth beast, because he explains in verse 24 what those ten horns mean, but then that little horn boasts big things. That sounds like somebody else we know. That sounds like Satan, right? That's because the little horn here is the Antichrist. So does that mean that the Antichrist is going to come out of Rome? Maybe. Who knows? 
Is the Pope the Antichrist? That's what some people think. I personally don't. But I do think that the Catholic Church is going to play a role in all this. My personal belief is that the Pope is the false prophet, but that's just me. Then we see for the first time God being referenced as the Ancient of Days. It's a very interesting title that he gave him. And the Ancient of Days is a reference to God as the judge. God is our judge. And this is also the first time that we see the Messiah being mentioned as the Son of Man. Because Daniel gets to see Jesus Christ. In verse 13 and 14, he gets to see the Messiah with the Father. And that is amazing. So we see, of course, that the Antichrist is going to subdue the earth, he's going to blaspheme God, and he's going to try and rule the world with an iron fist. And then Jesus will come and will bring us home, and will judge the world accordingly. In chapter 8, Daniel has another vision. And in this time, he sees two rams, one with two large horns, and the other that has a conspicuous horn between its eyes. And this is also explained in there, so we don't need to really worry about this one too much. But the ram is meant, that's mentioned here is mentioned as the Persian Empire, like we saw. And then the goat, the one that has that conspicuous horn, is going to be Greece. It's going to be Alexander the Great that is going to just wipe the floor with them. But then, when the large horn is broken, it represents the death of Alexander the Great. And he was only, in the historical records, he was only 32 years old when he died. So imagine that. He conquered the known world at the age of 32. That's amazing. And after that, his kingdom was divided among his four generals. And so they became different kingdoms at that time. Now that small horn is going to be something that arises out of the restored Roman Empire, which we know is the Antichrist. The reference here to the beautiful land is most likely Palestine, as we know it, the promised land. In verse 11, it says that it even magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the host. Obviously, who's that? That's God. God is the commander of all the angels. Now, what also is predicted here is that there's going to be 2,300 days. Like it says in verse 14, 2,300 evenings and mornings, and then the holy place will be restored. Okay, because so what happened here, out of Greece, there was a man named Antiochus Epiphanes, and he took the throne in 175 B.C., and he plundered the temple in Jerusalem. He desecrated it by offering pig's flesh on the altar. It's disgusting what happened in the historical documents, how they just greatly defiled the Lord. And during that time, the 2,300 days, this ruler, Antiochus, is going to persecute all the Jews. And then in 165 B.C., that's when we get the record of the Maccabees, when we have Judas Maccabeus restore the temple for its proper worship. So that was a historical correctness in terms of the Maccabees playing a part. But the book of the Maccabees itself is not inspired word of God. Let's be clear about that. 
But what the Bible is saying is that particular part of the Maccabees is true. And then we get to see, very interestingly, if you did not know this, we get to see Gabriel, the same Gabriel that went to Mary to announce the birth of Jesus Christ. The same Gabriel is here with Daniel. And, of course, he's an angel, and his name means hero of God. I didn't know that. And he's the only other angel that we know by name besides Michael, the archangel. All these other names that you may hear, like Raphael, Asmodeus, those are not biblical names. Those are made up in some sort of apocrypha somewhere. So then Gabriel goes and he interprets everything that's been going on and clarifies to Daniel what's going on. And this takes a lot out of Daniel. By the end of this, he is exhausted and sick for days. That takes a lot out of a person, because that is astounding what he had to deal with. And then it talks about the first year of Darius in chapter 9. So it goes back a little bit, and uh, something else happens. He is confirming Jeremiah. We saw that here in verse 2. The word that was revealed from the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. And then you see a very beautiful prayer by Daniel, pleading for forgiveness and for mercy from God, not only for himself, knowing that he is a fallen creature, but also for his nation, for his people. Do we do that? Do we pray for the nation? Do we pray for the people in our country? We really should, because our prayers should not be about us. It should be about others. If we're being heavenly minded, our thoughts should be going to the needs of others, not for us. So the 70 weeks that it mentions in verse 24 is the 70 years. We're not really sure why it's mentioned like that. But in the literal Hebrew, it's 77s. So it's very interesting. So that's where you get the translation, 70 weeks, 77s, because seven days in a week. If we took this literally, 77s, you do the math, 70 times 7 is 490. So that'd be 490 weeks, which is about nine and a half years. That doesn't seem to add up with what the Bible has been saying because it literally took 70 years for the people to come back to the land. So again, I'm not going to go too much into that, because I don't really know what's going on here on that. But it began with the decree to restore Jerusalem, as it had been predicted. And we know that by the commandment of Artaxerxes and then Cyrus, it was authorized to be rebuilt, as we saw in the book of Ezra. So it's all starting to come together now. And with that, I think that's enough for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.